You're listening to Force-Fed Digital. BXU Heard. Yo, what's going on? What's going on? It's your boy Kingsbridge Rich, and you're tuning into the My Bronx Story podcast. Shout outs to everybody rocking with your boy, and follow me on socials, man. I'm on TikTok, and I'm on IG in two places, and I'm also on Facebook, guys. So for all those, I'm probably going to do a, a Facebook group soon and talk to y'all a little bit about merch because I'm on the last leg of what I have to do. Pause. Let me just do pause right there. I said I'm on my last leg. Anyway, let me run that back. I got, I'm got. i really excited because I have to sketch out 152 times over the course of seven days to have a free hand that, to me, looked decent. And I'm gonna, and it looks real good on T-shirt, too. I got a few mock-ups, and so I'm really excited about that. So anyway, for those who have been asking, and for myself, because I want to show up at these places I've been going to, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, because Kingsbridge Rich and Wifey... My wife and I, um, we enjoyed a dope comedy show recently, and it would be dope for me to have merch at these shows because I big up a lot of Kingsbridge, and we had a few Kingsbridge acts that we've been uh, supporting, so shout-outs to Madam Bullet, shout-outs to Sophie, So So Dope, shout-outs to For The Money. These are all people that have roots in Kingsbridge and, um, and a ton of history. I love to have them on the show and interview them as well, but I'm meeting people and supporting them where they're at. And it was a it was a pleasure to show up at one event, and my wife went the very next day to another, so it was back to back. So anyway, the love is there always, and it's dope because like we think comedy, and I got an idea for an event, and I'm gonna tell you guys about it now a little bit, and then I'm gonna uh, get on to the show because today I want to talk a little bit about the culture, the street culture, when it came to like ski wear and technical wear. So we're gonna get into that in just a bit. And if you've been following me on IG, you see all the videos that I've been putting lately. And it's been um, some of my personal collection. I say personal collection like I got a million jackets. I don't. But over the course of years, I've went through a bunch of jackets. I've sold, I've collected. And that came from a time and a space in the 90s where if you follow the history of the jacket, you follow the history of the trend, which I want to you know, take this opportunity in this episode to share with you. Then you see the wave and you see the significance. So I want to share a few details about that with you so you can see beyond the jacket. Uh, because even some young people, they think about it and they're like, why you old heads treat North Face like it's a luxury item? And it's not, but there's history to it. So you'll see the value to the story. But nonetheless, I've been collaborating with people too. Because here's another thing about shopping and clothes. So we're going to talk about fashion. That was us back in the days. Maybe you guys are really into all this designer still and I'm not gonna knock nobody but as for me and I've always been known as being a fashion forward person so it's no surprise that I'm having a conversation on fashion but no I'm not a sneaker collector yes when I get sneakers I wear them uh, you might find me breakdancing some J's too and I'm not even stretching it because I enjoy what I buy um you know where I find myself today I really like local artists and I've been meeting people uh, there's pop-ups that we have in the Lower East Side, all through the Bronx, where people are taking 
they're recycling clothing and they're reworking it. So just the whole rework era. I'm definitely going to get somebody on the pod so we could talk about that because I think it's just dope to take all these fabrics. Imagine you got like a whole outfit and your shit gets fucked up on one spot right by the rib cage. You get a stain that won't come out. You done dropped the whole bag on this this item, whatever it is. And now it's what? You know, you're going to wear a jacket over it every time. Like, you know, you got to do something with that. But anyway, with this whole wave, you know, people taking sleeves up, they cutting designs out. And, you know, you're really getting a chance to see the creativity of people and thinking beyond the fabric and the labels. So that's kind of where I want to send my support to. And it's dope to see that. So shout outs. And um, actually, I'll take this moment to give a shout out to High Post. He's still in town. Hopefully you guys can hear this and check it out. So Lower East Side. But if you follow me on my social medias, you're going to see I put a video up. It's a navy blue hat and it says high post on it, New York to L.A. So anyway, he got to pop up in the low east side at Freaky Fridge's spot. But enough about that. Anyway, you know, so the dude's on the trends and, and he's uh, he's with the fashion. And today's episode, we're talking a little bit about that. But I want to I want to paint a few pictures about the clothing, the aesthetic, the backdrop, because when we think about hip hop, we think about the pillars. We think about the rap. We think about breakdancing. We think about graffiti, right? We think about the DJ. But fashion has always played such a significant role in accessorizing the culture. And so there was tons of influences com- coming from even Harlem and Dapper Dan. But in this show, when we talk about the Bronx and my Bronx story, I like for us to zoom into a time of the 90s. And so early 90s, we had windbreakers and we had maybe the bubble coats um, kind of going into, I would say the, the first thing that we knew in the hood about North Face is uh, coming out of like the bear coats and moving into the North Face because those are two different types of people, you know, so bubble coats was a real big thing and you had your Gore-Tex boots, uh, A-Solos. And so, you know, for a point, when the clothing went from the bubble jackets of North Face, bubble jackets that people was wearing, to more technical clothes, that's a whole era in itself. And this is the era that put North Face on the map. And so when I think about the jackets, right, there's a few reasons because this is technical gear. And I'm going to share with you the names of some of the more technical ones, right? Because these jackets, oftentimes by the North Face, there was series of jackets And these jackets had different capabilities. They were made for different environments. And so one jacket in particular, the Steep Tech, designed by Scott Smith. And so in the inside, you'll see the... And it's really called an Apogee, a full access. There's all these different names for it. But we just, in the hood, will always call it the Steep Tech for short. And so the Steep Tech, there's been years and models. And so follow with me, just like the same way when you buy cars and every year got a different design, it's about the same thing. But the quality at this time was so prime that these jackets are actually made for these environments. This wasn't, this became fashion pieces in the hood and very so after, but these were actually items of clothing that went into the, into, into the, um, the elements. And so you have jackets called mountain jackets, mountain light jackets. You have jackets called extreme, steep tech, you know, vertical jacket. And these all are indicative of the environments and, and what type 
of activity was taking place. And so the design and so the quality is premier because these are companies investing a lot because people need to have the rights. You can't, you just imagine being in the Antarctic, right? Being in, and this, here's another line, remote terrain gear, RTG, heli, search and rescue. You feel me? So if you pick up on that and you see what the function is and the quality in the build was made for that job. So the title in itself suggests to you that you're about to be in some crazy atmosphere, some environment. But what were we doing in the hood, in the Bronx? And, and North Face was really more of a big deal in, the Queens and the, in, in Queens and the Bronx. Places like Brooklyn and the whole culture of getting down with, with clothing and stealing clothing, um, racking clothing, which is more precisely what we would call it. The, the, the game of racking was pretty much, you'd rack all kinds of things. It wasn't just clothing, but you had rack crews. Oftentimes the rack crews were graffiti crews. And the graffiti crews were pretty much up on fashion. There was always an appetite for getting fresh in the hood. And with getting fresh and this appetite came all type of activities for you to acquire these types of jackets. So these are the name brands of the jackets. These Not the name brand. These are the lines of the jackets. And all of these came in various colors. And the funny thing is that people in the hood... Right. For kids, especially seeing all these people coming around, flooding the neighborhood in winter storms, head to toe in different colors. You had bright reds, red and blacks, yellow and blacks, a North Face color that looks purplish, but it's actually called Aztec blue. And then we we would identify jackets by colors. And there were certain colors that were just not yellow, red. There were just certain shades that were known amongst us that we knew to call it like the cinnamon steep tech. And then each of these colors would fetch a certain price too. And then the, the materials, we actually had Kevlar. And so now here's the thing where we think about the whole culture of reissues, because these lines were so popular and they were known for the build so well that they made its way into fashion. But what inspired that? The, the, the amount of people who were stealing these clothes the amount of people who are wearing these clothes, these clothes made its way into rap videos. I would dare to say that the rappers were not the ones that may have informed the streets on the styling of North Face. In my observation, and I'd argue this, but I believe that the rappers got it from the streets. And I'm going to tell you the significance to me from being in the streets and from me observing, because I'm, I'm never going to say I was the first one. In fact, that's that's a great conversation to have with some folks. And if you're hearing this, tap in to my IG or TikTok, find me somewhere and talk about it. Because if I want to bring my eyes as far back as I can see the colorful Power Ranger-ish type of dudes outside and the crews that were out there, I remember as far back as Sabe KST, right? So in the 90s, if you ever saw this wicked type of face outlined in red often or black, a white fill-in. Fill-in is just the fill-in as it sounds, coloring in. If you took the train line almost anywhere, because to be a graffiti writer of prominence, you have to go all city. All city, you was a graffiti writer, was all city means that you were kinging lines. So if you kinged the four line, that was an honor that you held, saying that you took that four line from top to bottom and you ran it and your name is known and you can look out into the buildings and rooftops and you're going to peep it. But Sabe 
for one, to speak respect on the dude, was in my town. He had lived, he had moved in to a house that was alongside the building I lived in on Creston Avenue. And with him, he drew the attention of a ton of other graffiti writers. And so it was at this point I would see. Now, this is my first time seeing as much um, North Face and just just an exaggeration of North Face. I'm not telling you the occasional, oh, he gets fresh, this guy has you know, an outfit and, you know, he got a dope jacket that happens to be North Face. Again, like I mentioned, there were tons of lines to choose from. I didn't name all of them, even TNFX. I would argue that TNFX was some of my favorite North Face lines. Of of all of the North Faces I mentioned, Search and Rescues, Heli, Steep Tech, and all of them, I would say TNFX were like some of my favorites. And they had, they had pullovers, they had waistland, three quarters, suits. So anyway, on that, I would dare to say that the influence of these jackets came from these graffiti writers that were in the streets doing the art. And to know the East Coast is to know that we have a weather pattern. We have seasons, right? Now, at this time of seeing for my first time, like Sabe and all that came along with Sabe was also TDK because just two blocks down was the block where all of TDK was at. And so not to name everybody, because I don't want to just name drop a lot of people, but these are the crews from Kingsbridge that, in my observations, were bringing it to my side of town. So I'm speaking on behalf of the Kingsbridge side, because to the rest of the Bronx and much of the Bronx, a lot of places I went to, you'd only see people with bubble jackets. You didn't see them with the more technical um, North Faces. And so here are the parallels that I'm going to draw your attention to. For one, crack. So the weather system and the activity that's outside is the graffiti, right? There's a winter, there's, there's snow, the elements, um, there's sleet, rain, there's every weather condition that you can be protected from because you have a premium suit on. On your feet are often vast boots. Other Gore-Tex material, the role that Gore-Tex played for the graffiti writer, right? There was also, so like with these jackets, a part of the build would also allow for a lot of stash spots. So when you sold crack, there was a lot of times, like if you got ran down by the cops, there'd be a little spot that you would get away with, like, you know, stuffing little cracks in and stuff like that, and you'll be okay. Or whatever you was trying to stash. I used to stash little blades because after I got cut, I'll, I'll carry a box cutter. So I always had them, like, all over the place. But there was tons of stashes. And these are all um, things that we found in the construction of these jackets. The other thing you would find quickly in having a North Face or even Spider because honorable mention would be Spider too because then we have Spider jackets like uh, Tommy Moe and there'd be series in those too. First series, second series, third series and and the role that that played as well because these are all premium items, you know, and then knowing the fit of these jackets, I found Spider to be a little more roomy. Spider had a different type of waterproofing, waterproofing. They used Dermazacs. They didn't use Gore-Tex. We use Gore-Tex in the North Faces. And so to post up on the block and hold your man down who's pumping cracks right through all these different weather patterns in New York City, and you're here just wearing nothing but maybe sweatpants under a, a snowsuit, some A-Solo boots, some Vask boots, different colors matching your outfit, and you just had to tell you had the headband and when you think of retail prices, because let's get into the economy of these jackets, 
because that's a whole other conversation to have in itself, right? So I'm painting this whole idea of all these colors and the style and the functionality of a jacket. But the, 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 the role that this would play out in crack dealers being all day and all night, sun up to sundown, with just a t-shirt under and some sweatpants under. But you're still crushing it because now it's style as well. But I would dare to say that the fashion took off because it was synonymous with the, with the graffiti writers going all over the place looking crazy. Here's another part of it. Like for us that was drinking, because now here's the economy. Those who I mentioned with the graffiti, most often times were folks that was racking. That was something that came with the nature of graffiti writers. Graffiti writers, graffiti is expensive. These markers, these spray cans, and the appetite that graffiti writers have for attention is ridiculous. And so for one, these outfits are holding them down. For two, these outfits are very expensive. I told you, these, these, these are at a premium. Now, you can adjust for inflation, but I can remember back then the stores was carrying a steep tech 550 450 550 so if you adjust for inflation, that's going to be about, you know, $900, $1,000, right? So, and, and the, the many different types of, of North Faces and spiders that they had and all the lines that they had. So anyway, you have to keep up on all that stuff because there's colors to remember. There's years to remember. There's even the styles to remember. So if it's a, if it's a, um, if it's a pullover, you know, if it's a, if it's an actual Gore-Tex, if it comes with a lining, the condition of it, real stock X. In fact, so let me break this down now, right? Because, and I said this in another episode, an earlier episode of mine, but to get more deeper into the subject, right? When you think about the model of stock X, we were pretty much doing that in our transactions. And oftentimes for a transaction, shit can go left real quick. And I remember pulling up with people from one block to a next block just to do a jacket deal. And then shout outs to people like A-Rock, right? Like A-Rock's crew, Mallet Brothers, right? The Mallet for us, when we think about Mallets, we slip them into the sleeves and the little Velcro would, would tie real tight to hold it in place. And we will show up to these jacket deals and trades just to make sure that nobody was going to jump out of nowhere and pop off and take the jacket. And the other thing with jackets and colors, like, your hood will be up another jacket if you got a person from another hood for their jacket. Because it wasn't only the groups of guys like the graffiti writers stealing from the stores. You also had the stick-up kids, right? Strong arming, going up and down into our hood and other hoods. Because as our area was so rich with graffiti writers, we had a ton of people from different hoods who would come to visit the graffiti writers. And what would be a problem for them would be if they came into the hood by themselves. They may have known where they were going. They may have come with another person at another time. But this was a time where it was not safe for you to go without your cosign. If you're going to pull up on somebody's block, you better show up with the cosign. And so there's stories without me having to mention certain names, but there's stories of dudes from other crews coming into the area and losing their jackets. There's people who've come into our areas who've been physically robbed, you know, assaulted. And, and there's been retaliations for this on both sides. I got caught up in one of those where somebody got got for their jacket on my block on Morris and they bumped into me and my boy on Fordham Road and they pulled the hammer and they started chasing us and we were with girls and that got funky real quick and all of this is over jackets. And 
so the economy of jackets, right? Making sure that you you um you know you have you have a price tag on each one based on the colors, the scarcity, right? Supply and demand, all these factors, the economics. There was a whole economy of these jackets. And it was crazy because then the other thing, right? Here's the question that, that would be asked to me, like, so like, was you ever got for your jacket? I I was got for jewelry. Um, going, I should have never been wearing so much jewelry to school, but I was, and I got got for that. But in terms of jackets in my area, a lot of times, like you had your main jackets that people knew you for. So like, they'll see you from far and they'll kind of peep you. Oh, that's rich. Cause rich got this, you know, rich got the, the gray and black steepy, the the nine five with the Aztec blue shoulders or whatever like that. Because then there'll be like a year that you'll have the same model jacket, but then the colors would reverse. So that's another thing. And that's another way for you to tell what year it is. So a lot of us will see that there's Kevlar on the forearm instead of just the shoulder. So like there's just all these little details, just like StockX, where you're kind of going down certain criteria. And some of these make it even more exclusive and, and um, you know, limited. So again, this is all to speak on the economy. And this is all to talk about, it's like the economy when you think of like the gross national product, right? You, you, or you think about a certain geography, a certain location, and all the jackets that are within that location, right? So like everybody who's from that area, from this hood, and these are all the jackets that everybody required. But then come Friday night, we're going to Skate Key, right? And this was just about every weekend that we was out there. And just on one train ride on one Friday night, because we wasn't in Skiki all weekend. We'll be going to different blocks, different house parties. And it's crazy. My segue from being on the block where the people who I was around were rackers and rack crews. Like they went and they were burning up stores. They'll find ski shops upstate. They'll they'll get little hoopties and they'll drive and they'll fill up the car. They'll do runouts. And there's terms for all these things too to, to keep in mind. And this is me that I never went on one of those adventures, but like there's Lizzie bags, a Lizzie bag, a Lizzie is the alarm. So they'll take Lizzie bags, they'll they'll make Lizzie bags, they'll take duffel bags, bags, line it up with aluminum foil, because at some point they'll realize that this is a way that they could trick the alarm from going off or making distractions where that you go ahead and you, um, you get the Lizzie, the alarm thing so that you can slip it real quick. And, you know, somebody has to keep an eye on that. And so you catch the worker slacking and boom, now's your opportunity. Because all you're doing as a thief is looking for that opportunity. Or runouts. That's another term too. There's crews that are just hit up a Bloomingdale's, smash the rack. Oh, that's another one. Smash and grabs. A smash and grab is where you smash the display and just grab and go. Right? Jewelry stores. Those are smash and grabs. The this the, the Kooji display in Bloomingdale's up in White Plains when I was working Bloomy. Shout out to my Bloomy's family or whatever. All my peoples who, nobody's still working there. Don't get it twisted. I'm just saying shout outs. It just sounds cool. But, you know, back then I had my little squad of people and stuff. I got cut in the face and the principal gave me a little job there because she used to do administration. But anyway, enough on that. Like there was there was also, you know, people jump running into the stores and just grabbing whole racks and running out, just doing runouts. There were stories. There's there's the the historic, if you're a New Yorker and you know about rackers, Period. And this one don't go to the Bronx. This is shout outs to the Brooklyn Cats. I'm going to get to it. But every person, like these these are like urban tales that go down in history. And if you're a person and you come from the, from, from the hoods, uptown, Kingsbridge, the Bronx, 
right? You know about Rat Crews back then. Like there was a thing called the Million Man Rush. Not the Million Man March, right? It's a play on words, but the Million Man Rush was where all these rackers went and they tore up a store and, and, and just went in and went out. And this is something that's historic. It's so long ago. It was such a long time ago. I don't even remember the store that they hit right now as I brought it up because this is not in my notes. But it was a Million Man Rush. And these are this is to show you how big the culture was. We had the, the low lives in Brooklyn, right? And, and they were down with the polo culture. And polo, a lot of polo made its way to the Bronx too because all of this was stuff that was traded around in, in that culture. And it's crazy because just the same way that every year we'll have a different model and a different colorway and things that were indicative of like, you know, the progression of this, of this um, clothing and stuff. You have one line of Steep Tech, uh, one series, second series, third series, third generation, fourth generation, as we would name them, right? You'd have this progression in jackets and the old ones will start being more scarce. Or you'll have a Steep Tech, for example, that won't come with a pouch now. Oh, where's the pouch? So now some stuff is becoming more exclusive and now it's fetching more money because it's dead stock. You know, there's items that are now discontinued when North Face discontinued the RTG line. And then it's like, if you have one of those now, you know, and, and I've seen through the years, the prices fluctuate. I had a Polo Ski 9-2 that I bought for the low and then I sold it for the low and then it was, somebody was selling one for $2,500, maybe a month later and I wanted to kick myself. But that's how the game is for a collector. That's the economy for collectors. That's just, so for us, when we when, when I wear a North Face, and it's crazy because on IG, I put these videos of jackets and people, for some reason, had an impression I was selling them and I won't. But one of my more of, of all the jackets I've had, because a lot of them I had even after the fact, just because just an itch inside of me. But I do have mine that I had since day one, my day ones. And the, the sentimental value that it carries had made me a hoarder of jackets. I wasn't even one to, to have much shirts under. It would just be a regular whatever. But just the jacket would speak for me. I was always into jackets, my leathers, my, my, my face. And it was from being inspired for the graffiti writers. Kingsbridge, Kingsbridge Rich would know to say this, but Kingsbridge is rich in the arts and very historic in hip hop. In fact, I'm working right now and having conversations on detangling the roots of hip hop and how so much, there's a lot of controversy going on, but I credit all this from, for the, from the area that I come from, Kingsbridge. And so Kingsbridge is known for having tons of graffiti writers, tons of b-boys, DJs. The, the essence there in hip-hop and, and what role that this plays in fashion is all synonymous. People think when they hear hip-hop, they only think about rap. And they may forget the, the urban trends. And then we have labels as well, right? So other labels as well, you know, your designer clothing. But for the most part, I can remember always being at crack spots and everybody just being head to toe because you have to be safe from the weather. And then I remember who had what jackets and us showing up for deals and maybe pointing out the flaws because that's another thing. It's just like the same way when you're buying something from eBay, a jacket, you show the sleeves. And often because these were graffiti writers, some of them will go doing their graffiti with these clothing. So there'll be little paint marks and that would bring the value down a little something. You know, even rest in peace, Spec BTC. I've been on, on, I've been on troops with one crew going to trade with him and his people, 
and showed up on that. And these are people, you know, who in the community of, of Graf, you know, that, that are major figures, you know, well-respected in the game for what they had contributed. And each of these people had played a longer game in the North Face game, in the technical gear, and, and for what it's worth, you know, even for stealing. Because these there were so many zippers that you can throw things from, you can double team. And with North Face, like like with these ski jackets, another thing it had, they had this little skirt thing. I don't even know the name of it, but it was a little, it's like a rubberish strip with a button, right? And it's to keep the cold out. Snow skirt, I believe that's what it's called, right? And it clips, it's that little lining, it stretches, it's elastic. So you would put that dumb tight, go into the store, leave all your, all your jacket vents open, either the underarm or in the back, depending on what jacket you had. And you could just throw things and then the snow skirt would keep it from falling through. Oh, and if you had a bib, then you'll be able to throw it from the chest down and nobody see and load up. You know, even Jenko jeans. So when you think of fashion, right, it's like function follows form, form follows function, art imitates life, life imitates art. This is always the conversation that happens. But as far as North Face in the 90s, before they had changeover, it was it was a function. It was made to do a job. And we went and said, hey, if that shit is capable for the Alps and the mountains to ski, then it's, it's suitable for crack spots in the Bronx. It's suitable for rain, sleet, snow, hail, man. It's suitable for you to pump your cracks and go through a whole shift or two and break night making that money. It's suitable for you to chup it from the cops and have traction on your feet because you're wearing stuff through a blizzard that I get you through. It's suitable for you to stash so that when you get frisked real quick, they overlook, you know, something that you got on you that you shouldn't that can give you a little time. Another, and for the good times too, because I don't want to make it look like everybody was just selling crack because some of us were just so interested in the culture of the jacket and the prestige of the jacket because people make shit cool. And that starts with us. That's all a grassroots thing. When you see the hobo look that like these major fashion houses have like Gucci, Prada, Louis, Fendi, all the major fashion houses, much of their inspirations come from street culture and fashion as it is anyway. And we got to give ourselves the tap on the back. We make shit pop and we spend our dollars on what we spend on for our hood when it was too expensive, like Robin Hood's people went out and took it from where it was at, upstate, wherever they went and searched for these uh, items and came back to the hood, half off. There were days that I was with the stick-up crews and we're up and down Kingsbridge or going to house parties all throughout different areas in the Bronx. And if it got cold that night and somebody came out with a sweater, it got too cold for the night, boom. <clears throat> You're not making it home without a jacket. And that's how it was with the stick-up kids up and down. So it was real crazy leaving your hood with the jacket. And there was retaliations. And, you know, even I had a situation where I had enrolled in a new school after getting kicked out of another one. Out the gate, first day of school, second day of school, I was wearing all my fly shit, all my fly stuff, considering also that my my apartment was the halfway point on Kingsbridge, between up Kingsbridge and down Kingsbridge. So every time, every like, on the weekends, it was just normal for us to hear house parties, yap jackets, and chains. But because my apartment was on Morris and Kingsbridge, there was a bedroom right by the door. We'll just go and just throw stuff in after a Vic, after a Vic, after a Vic. 
and it would just go on and on and on. This was just the way it was at that time because, again, you had some people who were stealing it from the stores, doing the runouts, and you had other casts. In my case, I remember chilling with them and they were going to go out to get jackets and I don't. I didn't make the connection in my head that it was going to be a strong arming kind of environment, but it turned to be so, and it was crazy. I wasn't expecting that. I thought maybe we was on our way to going somewhere, a store or something, because I had not had that experience up to that point. And when I met them and I was up there on web, this is UNO squad, so shout out to UNO because history is history. And up there, it seems like, like this was the crew that would capture the people coming into the neighborhood with dope jackets, but walk dolo and were caught lacking. And that's just the way it was in those times. And so people will recognize you for certain jackets, like your main jacket. Uh, people will know you from your block. But if you was moving with these people, you, you had a free pass. The graffiti writers didn't have an entire free pass because not all of them was down with fighting. Some of the graffiti writers would be posted up on the block because there was so much money that, you know, they just really stopped focusing on graffiti. And then they, they um, it, it was more of just block tagging up and just, that's the old thing. Many crack dealers in New York and the Bronx, especially in the 90s eras, was graffiti writers. Um, and the progression from North Face into like more heavy duty, like Vansons and jumping out of like the Vanson jackets and going into just like the, the uh, just Cool G's and Iceberg, and just moving out of that. If anything, you were still rocking a classic because you had like a like a mango color or aqua color, something that was real exclusive from back in the days. A polo, a ski, a 9-2 stadium and, and stuff like that. So many times like the discontinued articles of clothing were coming up there, but we was already moving toward like iceberg history and, you know, Moschino and these things. And so, you know, this is a slow progression out of North Face. And then by about this time when we're approaching the 2000s, the company is going through so much financial ruin that they change hands for yet another time because this had been the case throughout the history. But now at this time, the company North Face cannot provide you the same quality that they had done in the past. And so it also had not been the brand that had protected the crack dealer in the hood. So in the same sense that it had been a staple of urban fashion for a bit, it had stopped doing its job, and it's no coincidence that crack dealers across the Bronx would not adorn North Face anymore because it wasn't the wave. And the, the shit on it would not do the job anymore anyway because the construction went to, went to shit. And so again, I'd argue that it was, it was the streets, the gritty streets, Bronx and Queens, that put North Face out there because that shit was making the block click. And you was out there just running it, running it, running it. There was no weather that was going to send you home and cut you short for the night. It was nights of North Face, A Solo, Spider, just Gore-Tex galore. Steep tip gloves. Gloves that cost $200, $200, $250, dollars gloves. Feel me head to toe. Bunch of teenagers just pumping cracks or sticking up. And that was the wave in the 90s saw an, an, an era of kids collect to the point that you have a brother like me on Instagram 25 years later holding the same jacket that he has worn through many of the stories that he tells you. And there's many others collectors. There's many other threads because this is beyond 
the pictures and just a funny moment in time. This is a culture. And to be a part of this culture is to speak on the company and the changeover, is to speak on what role the the company had played in our everyday lives. It's just beyond the tag, it's beyond the style. It's what it did at a time, and I hope I did a great job capturing that. And until next time, guys, tune in, follow me on all my socials. Like I said before, merch coming soon. It was dope vibing. I'll catch y'all on the flip side. Peace.